Hey guys, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us as we continue journeying through the Psalms all through summer, all through sheltering in place and quarantine. It is a continual refreshment for me. It's encouraging for me to get to participate in this discussion and for me to get to read through different Psalms and and hear your thoughts on them. And so we do hope that you continue to engage in the comments section and, and let us know if if something sparks a thought in your mind or if you have something you want to share that goes along with the message, we'd love to interact and just make sure that we all know that we're gathering together for this time. And so as we gather in worship, we're also gathering in teaching and receiving and studying the word together. Tonight we're going to be in Psalm 8, and I love jumping into Psalm 8 right now because it seems like the past six weeks we've been going through some laments going through a lot of reminders that life is hard, trust in God. Life is hard, trust in God. And last week, uh, Patrick topped that off with, I will trust in God from Psalm 91. Great message. If you didn't watch it, I encourage you to go back, watch, listen, enjoy the discussion on Psalm 91. But Psalm 8 comes from the first chunk of Psalms where they are predominantly praise Psalms. They're exciting. They're reminding us of who God is and why he's praiseworthy. And so David wrote this psalm to point us to praise God, to point us to how uh, little things praise God and how everything points us toward praising and worshiping God. And so I wanted to highlight that, and hopefully as we leave, we may be more awestruck by God and his creation and see that he's worthy of our praise. And we'd get to celebrate some good things in this season. Because this, this has been kind of a strange season, and it doesn't seem to be getting better necessarily or easier. We're we're faced with harder decisions now, decisions about schooling, decisions about going out, decisions about staying in. Um, Baseball's back, but now baseball might not be back, and football's preparing to come back, but it might not be back, and maybe basketball stay around, and hockey. There's a lot of things that we want to put our hope in that surely will let us down, like we're seeing with baseball right now. But when we put our hope in God, we get to see he's worthy of that. He's worthy of our trust. He's worthy of our hope and our praise because of who he is. So we'll jump in and bear with me. We're going to spend a lot of time reading the first verse and tearing it apart and then reading the second verse and diving in there. And then we're going to read the last chunk together. So if it feels like a slow crawl through the psalm, the first two verses really set up the rest of the verses for us to have a discussion. So Hang with us. It's a great discussion, and the first two verses have a lot of meat for us to consider. So let's read Psalm 8 together. I'll be reading from the ESV, so if yours is a little bit different, that is okay. Psalm 8, to the choir master, according to the Giddeth, a psalm of David. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. And we'll pause there. So the, the first part, the, the pretext for this psalm says that David wrote it, and he wrote a little note to the choir master saying, this is, this is supposed to be sung to the tune according to the Giddeth, which is when they go and, and press wine, they turn the grapes into wine. And it's a joyful season of harvest, of bounty, of plenty. And so they sing songs. And David is saying, let's sing a song to those tunes with these words about our Lord. And then he starts with, O Lord, our Lord. So many psalms we've looked at have been Oh God, my God, my God, my Lord. But now we're diving into the communal aspect of the Psalms. As they're supposed to be sung and recited together, David calls us to that by saying, Oh Lord, our Lord, we together 
are proclaiming that you are Lord. We together are putting you on the throne of our life as the priority in our life. And so I want us to recognize the the community aspect of the Psalms, the community aspect of God. He wants us to be together. And that's why he came to be with us through Jesus. He's incarnational. And we experience him together. We worship him together. And we grow with him together. And that's what we do like this. Some of you guys may not feel like, well, we're not really together. We're just all watching online. But I truly believe that God is still working in this and that God is still praised through our time together. And we may not be physically together, but we are united together in this service, in this worship, and in this teaching together. So, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I think that second phrase is is key. David is awestruck by who God is. By the name of our Lord, God, Yahweh, Father, Jesus, Lord, He's awestruck. Your majesty is greater than everything else. So I want to know, have you ever been awestruck? Has anything just gripped you with awe and with wonder? If so, share in the comments. Go ahead and leave a comment right now. What was the last thing that caused you awe? Or something that always causes you to be in awe? I got to go to the ocean about a month ago. I was sitting there on the beach looking out at the Pacific Ocean, the biggest ocean in the world. And after about five or 15 minutes, I don't know, I lost track of time. I was looking and I was just in awe. And I'm just staring at the vastness of this water and the beauty of it and the beauty of its sound crashing into the shore and the peace associated with. And I I was a lot, well, it was me and my wife and we were socially distanced from people. We were just there for a little bit, but to be in awe of God's creation. I know for some people, it's the mountains. It's nature. Some people, they hear a song and they're just struck with awe about the beauty of a voice. For some, it's a a little baby. It's a newborn. Life creation. You're in awe about this is new. This is wonderful. This is amazing. I know for me, I've got two young kids and they see a lot of things for the first time or experience a lot of things for the first time because they're so young. And they're just in awe at how fast a ceiling fan can spin or how a a flashlight can change different colors. Or how when you mix two colors together, they make a third color. It's Everything just causes so much awe. But for the rest of us, those of us that are grown, we, we tend to lose our awe in simple things that could draw us to worship. We tend to lose sight of, wow, that, that really is amazing. It is amazing that I can go into a garden and breathe rich oxygen that's provided by these garden plants. It's amazing that I can push a little pedal and I can power a a two-ton vehicle forward at 60, 70, 80 miles per hour. I should be awestruck by that, but now it's just rote. It's just something that I do. So what causes you awe? When was the last time you experienced it? I'm looking forward to going back and reading the comments and seeing what draws us to awe and wonder. Because I think we're all wired a little bit differently in what draws us to awe, but there's a lot of similarity in, in the hugeness that draws us in to make us realize I'm very small compared to this thing, or I'm very weak compared to this strength. And that's what David is saying about our Lord. How majestic is your name in all the earth? That word majestic, majesty, it's a royal term typically. It literally means major greatness. Your name has major greatness about it. And I'm, I'm just filled with awe at your name. 
It's impressive. It's strong. It's redemptive. And when we think about it, Yahweh or even Jesus, they're good names. Yahweh's kind of a strange name nowadays. Uh, Jesus is still used today. But there's other names out there that are pretty cool, like Zach or Joe or Carrie or Lori or whatever. There's lots of great names. So why is his name majestic? I think looking at what his name stands for and what his name represents gives it its majesty, its major greatness. And that's because the name of our Lord, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name? His name means salvation. His name is provision. His name is grace. His name is power and strength. And so when we can call out the name, when we could sing what a beautiful name it is, what a powerful name it is, it's not just, well, that's a strong name. My, my son's name is Axel, and that's a strong name. But we don't sing songs about his name. We sing songs about the name of Jesus because his name redeems. His name creates. And there's so much power and beauty and grace and wonder in just his name. And that's what David is calling us to. How majestic is your name? You've set your glory above the heavens. And your name deserves to be there, deserves our worship, deserves our praise. So just, just like we consider names, the name of Jesus means that, that God saves. God saves us. And he has saved us through Jesus. His name, Emmanuel. God is with us. Jesus came to be with us. Because God made him the way to reveal his grace, to set us free from our brokenness, from our chains, from our hopelessness. So I want us to look at names for a second. Nowadays, we, we kind of just pick names that sound cool. Or maybe we, have a, we name our child after a family member that we respected or revered. But I think our names can speak to who we are. Our names can reveal a little bit about us. I saw Pastor Keith posted on Facebook the other day about his trip in Colorado, and his name Keith means of the woods or of the forest or something like that, and it, and it really ties well to how he's wired. He gets refreshed when he's out in nature. He gets renewed and restored, and he experiences peace by that, and I think it's no coincidence that that's his name and that's how he's wired. I don't think it's mystical, magical stuff, but I think it's representative of who we are. When we found out that we were pregnant with our first child, we, we didn't know gender. We didn't find out gender on either of our children until they were born. And so we got to guess if it was going to be a boy or a girl. And so we came up with names for each. And it wasn't just, oh, I like that name, or I like the way that sounds, or I like that person. Let's name them after that. But we wanted our children to stand for something more than who they were. And so we knew if we had a, a little girl, if we had a daughter, we wanted her to be uh, a force of joy, of brightness, of light, a strong woman who could bring forth joy that points people to God. And so we, we started with what does it mean and what, what name can we get to? And so we wanted her to be joyful. We figured out what is joy, what is light? And we found a name that meant light, and it was Eleanor. And Eleanor is a great name, real cute, all that. But we we wanted it to be a light of, of God's grace, a light of joy, a light of hope that points people to God, not just a bright light. And so our daughter's name is Ella Grace. Ella comes from Eleanor, which means light, and grace means God's favor. And so we wanted Ella Grace to be a light of God's favor wherever she goes. Would she, as, as a young girl, as a teenage girl, as a young woman, as a grown woman, 
in, in a society that puts a lot of pressure on women and a lot of unfair standards on women, would she continually be joyful, measuring up to God's love and being who he says she is? And so would we name her light of God's favor so that she might reveal that about herself and about others to point them to God? And so we pray the verse, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And that we pray that over her all the time. We did the same thing when we were found, found out we were pregnant again. We knew if we had a boy, we wanted him to be a peaceful man of God, a peaceful leader, because there's so many men in our culture, in our society that are, that are proud, that are rough and tough and gruff, and they're just overly macho. And we wanted our son to be a leader who would bring peace. And so we named him Axel, as I mentioned earlier. Axel comes from the name Absalom, which means father of peace. And so we wanted him to be a father of peace, bringing peace through his influence on whatever he can. And his middle name is Joshua, which means God is our salvation. So would Axel bring peace that points people to God of our salvation? So they would not just see like, oh, he's kind of, he's kind of keeping the peace or making peace. But they would see, wow, this guy's peaceful in his authority and in his influence, and he's pointing us back to the God of our salvation. And it's cool to see how that's working out even now at a young age. My daughter lights up a room anytime she comes in. Her smile, her joy, her energy, her zeal, it's wild. And my son, he's, he's only two, but still he's got influence. And I can see he's, he's kind of swayed by his sister right now because they're at that perfect age to be swayed, but he's, he's using that influence to bring peace. And so whenever somebody's upset, He's drawn toward that to provide comfort, and he feels with them. And it's just so cool to see how God is working prayers in that life, in those lives, to continue to bring his purpose. When I look at my name, my name is Joshua Michael. Joshua means God is our salvation, and Michael means like God. And so when my parents named me that, I don't know if they were naming me that so that I would be like God, so that I would point people to God's salvation. But I'm a pastor now, and, and I teach from God's word, and I point people to him as the path, him as the way, him as the truth. And it's my desire that I would be like God, that I would be like David as a man after God's own heart. And then with, with my wife, her name's Melissa Jane. And Melissa means honeybee, it's in the Greek, and Jane means gracious or God's favor. And you see that play out in her personality because honeybees are sweet, they produce sweetness and honey but they'll sting you. They're fiercely loyal and protective. And that's, that's our mama bear. That's Melissa. And then Jane is gracious. She's always very gracious and supportive. And she points people to that freedom and forgiveness available in God's grace. And so we're just living out our name's identity as we rely on God to give them the identity. So when David says, how majestic is your name above all the earth, we've got some great names floating around. If, if you know what your name means, Go ahead and put it in the comments. Let us know what your name means. And let's see if we can find like, wow, my, my name is really fitting in my personality and my character, in my calling on my life right now. And I think it's wild how that works out. My name is, it's also a, a noun and a verb, Josh. It's jolly, jovial, goofy. And that's kind of who I am. And I try real hard not to be, but I'm just so bad at it. It's just the way that I'm wired. And so what's in a name is what Shakespeare would say. I would say there's a lot of meaning and purpose in a name. And while our names can point us to great things, they should really point 
to Jesus, the name above all names, because how majestic is his name above all the earth. And I think if we would look at his name for what it is and proclaim his name over situations, Jesus is healing, Jesus is power, Jesus is hope over all these things we're going through. I think there's redemption to recognize that his name is great, greater than everything. And David continues to spell that out as we read more. Let's read verse two. Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. You've probably heard the phrase before, out of the mouths of babes. And, and we get to see purity and, and just truth. They, they don't really filter a whole lot. They just say what comes to their mind and they say words that they've heard and they don't know what they mean. Or maybe you've heard the phrase, kids say the darndest things. It's kind of the same thing. Out of the mouths of babes, that's where we see purity and truth presented because they're not going to pull back. They don't know if something's inappropriate or unkind until they're taught that that's inappropriate or unkind. Why do you look like that? Why are you that way? Why are you so loud? They reveal a lot of unsaid things in the room just because they're, I'm just going to tell it to you straight. And so out of the mouths of babies and infants, you've established strength because of your foes, to still the enemy and the avenger. Babies and infants are weak, but God has used them to establish strength over his foes. He's used the the mouths of babes to silence his avengers. And so God is using this, this weak child, the weakest of beings, some might say, to proclaim his strength. And I think that's powerful. When you talk about being in awe of something, to be in awe of the strength that can come from a child, from, from a child's voice, from the cry of a child, from the truth that a child presents, I think that's wondering for me, awe-inspiring for me. And so Jesus, when he was uh, doing his ministry on earth, he got to the temple and he realized, this is not a place of prayer anymore. There are people who are making profits off of my temple. There are people taking advantage of others and segregating and judging others. And so Jesus sought to cleanse the temple. And he did so by overturning tables and and money scattered and birds scattered and people scattered. And when all that happened, the chief priests were watching it happen. And they said in Matthew chapter 21, when the chief priests and the scribes saw the things that Jesus did and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said, do you hear what these kids are saying? Jesus said to them, yes. Have you not read? Out of the mouths of infants and babies, you have prepared praise. So Jesus quotes Psalm 8. He's saying that these children are seeing what I'm doing and proclaiming my strength. Because the babies and the children saw Jesus overturn tables and make loud noises and do big things. And that might frighten someone. But they said, Hosanna to the son of David. Save us. Son of David, son of man. They're drawn to praise by his presence and that reveals his strength. And and it's very much in the character of God to use broken, weak things to display his strength. Because all of us are bent to sin. All of us sin and fall short of the glory of God. But he uses us to proclaim his power. He uses us to proclaim his healing. It's, It's amazing. And I don't know how he chooses, how he how he picks and chooses. I was speaking to someone who's on the tail end of their recovery from a long battle with coronavirus. 
And, and we were talking and I said that God gets glory out of our living and God gets glory out of our dying and we don't know why he chooses which, but he's continuing to get glory out of that, out of weakness, out of disease, out of pain. God can work in that weakness to display his strength. And it, it says in 1 Corinthians that in, in, his, in our weakness, he is made strong. When we lean on him because we're weak, we reveal how strong he actually is. When we lean on him in our darkest moments, when it makes no sense to say, Hosanna, save us, praise God, God is good. When we can lean into him, when we get the diagnosis that we have cancer, that we have a disease, that we have six months to live, can we lean into him and say that he's good when, when we lose our job, when, when we're unsure of where our next need is going to be met? Because that's where God shows up in his power and in his strength. So through the mouths of babies, he works his strength. And these babies in awe say, Hosanna to the son of David. They sing his praise. And then David's going to keep writing. And in this next chunk, it's a big chunk. He's, he's going to show us, hey, all of these things in creation are wonderful, but not like the name of, of God. All of these things are really cool, but... They all make me think of God. And, and who, who are we that God would want to point things through us back to him? So let's read this chunk, verses 3 through 8 of Psalm 8. When I look at the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands and have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. This is is a big chunk. So God displays his heavens and his fingers have placed the stars for us to be in awe of in the brilliance of their brightness and, and the vastness of the sky we're drawn to God but who is man the literal translation there is who is a frail man that God would be mindful of us that God would care about us in all of these things that he's created so many of them greater than us bigger than us more impactful than us who is man that we're mind, that he's mindful of us? He made us in his image, and he set us a little bit lower than the angels. And the angels are powerful, brilliant, beautiful, glorious. And he sets us a little below them. And he says we have dominion over all of the works of his hands. So everything God has created, he has put under our dominion, under our rule, our authority. So we're, we're stewards of his creation. We're stewards of the things that he has created. And we're called to take care of them. And, and in our caring for them, we should recognize his power, his strength, and his majesty in them. To think, why would he pick me? I'm, I'm disobedient. I actually prefer the easy way. I have integrity issues, character issues. I've got addictions and pains and struggles. And, and I'm really, I'm bent toward following my own path. I prefer my own way of doing things, my own set of standards or morals. But who is man that he is mindful of us, that he would choose to redeem us? 
So he, he gives us dominion over all these things, but he displays how he cares for us and how he's mindful of us. Because he sees our brokenness. He sees our pain. He sees our continual pursuit and lust after sin and the desires of the flesh. And in all of that, he sees the way out. And then he makes the way out. Because he saw our continual pursuit after sin and fleshly desires. And, and he said, I, I'm going to fix this. Because their offerings aren't adding up. Because we'd bring an offering and, and burn it and then stub our toe on the way out of the temple. And we'd have to get back in line and burn another offering. Because we were bent to sin and just consistently found in sin. And so God sent his only son, Jesus, to earth to show us how to live. And he lived a perfect life that we could not live. He served people that we would never think to serve. He loved people that we want to disclude and disassociate from. And he set us free through what Jesus did. Because Jesus went to the cross and bore a painful death, carrying all the weight of sin, a sin that he never did, bearing the punishment for things he never did that we continue to do, that we step into gleefully sometimes. But God is mindful of us in providing a way out because in Jesus' death, God's wrath was satisfied. God's saying, I don't need any more sacrifices because I've just had the perfect sacrifice. And then in conquering the grave, Jesus demonstrates God's power and authority over all creation. And he says, my son has died and he rose and he sits with me on the right hand And if you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, then we get to inherit that kingdom of God as well. And we get to be covered in grace, which means we don't have to be drawn to sin. We don't have to choose the easy way out. We get to be set free. But also we get to be picked back up when we have stepped into sin. We get to be welcomed back into the fold when we chose to run away ourselves. Who is man that God is mindful of us? God loves us so much that he bore his only he gave his only son so that we might believe in him and have eternal life through him but also have a full enjoyable joyful life here on earth and he's given us dominion over all of the works of his hands all of creation and he's given us a crown to wear just lower than the angels all of those things not because we're special we were made in his image we're made different than those things so that's a big deal but None of us has a name that's more majestic than a name that saves. None of us has an ability that's more powerful than conquering the grave, conquering sin and conquering death. But God displays all of those things for us so that we might in turn praise him. So that in turn he might get all the glory. Because all the glory is due to him. He's the one who made the sheep and the oxen and the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. He created all those things. He put the stars in the sky, and when we see them, we're struck with awe and drawn to worship the creator of those things. And when we live a life that follows him closely, people see it doesn't make sense for them to be joyful right now. Why are they joyful? Well, it's because I've been set free from my sin. I'm not a slave to sin anymore. I'm not bound by that addiction anymore. I'm not hopeless and left in the dark. That strained relationship is now healed and mended because God restores. And that's a name that we proclaim. And he's given me authority over all these things. And I'm going to steward that well by taking care of them in a way that reflects his character and his love. He's given me influence over other people. 
And instead of lording it over them, I'm going to provide them with service and wash their feet and love them in a way they don't, they don't deserve because I've been loved in a way that I don't deserve. And so who is man that, that you are mindful of him, that you would care for him? He set us free. And so when we recognize what God has done for us, it causes us to live a different way, to follow him more closely. It should draw us to worship. And this first chunk of Psalms draws us to worship because of his creation, because of who he is and what he's done for us. And so that's what we get to sing and that's what we get to celebrate. That's when, when we say trust God, trust God, trust God over and over through the Psalms, that's why we trust God. It's because he's the one who made a way. He's the one who took care of all things for us. And then David lands the plane and closes with this last verse. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. That's the verse he started with. That's the verse he's ending with. So he's bookending it. He's making a sandwich. And he's saying, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And I'm going I'm to fill this middle part with why your name is majestic. Because you're mindful of us and you've set us free, you've redeemed us, and, and you've put us over this creation that's way cooler than we are, that's way more awe-inspiring than we tend to be. And you've displayed your strength through babies who sing your praises, and in the purity of how they're wired, they still praise you and trust you. And those of us who are far from that, who have run from that, you still draw us back in, and you still give us authority over your creation. You still trust us, even when we don't trust you. So would we be drawn to worship through that? Would we be set free through that good news that he's mindful of us, that he cares for every little thing we're going through? I want to continue this conversation with with a response, and it's really two challenge points. One of them is to get awestruck with God. Would you find things that cause you to be in awe of him, to worship him, whether it's through creation or, or just through recognizing his presence in something or his provision in something? And the second thing is we've been doing these reading plans on the YouVersion Bible app, and I want to encourage you to join us in that. It's a great way to read just a real short devotional. We read a verse, and then we can all chat about it, share our thoughts. And so we have a reading plan called Majesty of God's Names. And you can look on YouVersion. We're going to put a link in the comments. You can join us there, and then we're going to be ready to roll. So get awestruck with God. Be in wonder of who God is. Be surprised when you see God show up and then point back to your faith and trust in him. I want to read this one last time so that we can catch it and then we'll close in prayer. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, What is man that you're mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the work of your hands and have put all things under his feet, all sheep, oxen, and beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Let's pray. God, it is your name that is worthy of praise and your name alone. And would you remind us of that? Would you show us your power and strength? Would you show us your mercy and your tender care? We thank you and praise you for caring about us, for being mindful of us in our pains and our joys, in our ease and our suffering. 
you are mindful of it all. So would we praise you? Would we serve you well? And would we draw others to you simply by the way we're worshiping you daily? Would you continue to meet us where we're at and bring healing and bring hope and show up? Would you not unite us as we gather together, as we reflect together, and as we're sent together to serve you? We do love you. We thank you so much for Jesus, the name above every name. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys for joining us. We look forward to seeing you this coming Sunday. We start a new series called Disciple, or you can join us next Wednesday as well as we continue journeying through the Psalms. I hope you have a great week.